0: Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and dwelt among us. What was his life like here on earth? How did the Savior live his final days before his crucifixion, a day that changed the world forever? Join us on the Struggles We Grow From podcast as we look at the life of Jesus.
1: But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. John 2, 24 and 25.
0: What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Struggles of Girlfriend podcast. It's Austin and Sydney here, and we are excited that you have joined us once again for another episode of our Jesus series. We are excited and ready to get this thing kicked off. So, we are going to be in John chapter 2 again, and specifically looking at verses 23 through 25, right?
1: Right. And I picked this little section, it's just three verses. But several weeks ago, when I was looking into John, and Austin and I are both kind of picking out parts of Jesus's earthly ministry to um, talk about. And so this is one that I picked. And the reason I picked it is because I read it and I had no idea or <laughs> understood what it was saying. And I figured like, well, I'm probably not alone in this. People listening are probably wondering the same thing what is this really meaning? Like how, I mean, you've probably done that before, right? Like you're reading the Bible and something's a little bit harder for you to understand. And you're like, okay, how does this apply to me in my life? And so Austin and I, we turn to our handy dandy commentary studies (laughs) and study Bibles. If you don't have one of those, I highly recommend it just to see what other people have said on the topic. And so- That helped us quite a bit. Yeah. Because even Austin, and this is a big deal, even Austin, when I first read it to him, he was like, yeah, let's look in the commentary.
0: Yeah. So, like, it's easy to infer about Scripture. So you can infer and make assumptions. What I don't think there's benefit in is making assumptions, voicing the assumptions, without even verifying if they are true or biblical. Mm -hmm. So commentaries just help make sure that you stay on the right path. As you study and as you formulate your time with God in the Word, you can just begin to fashion ideas and thoughts based off of what Scripture says rather than what my natural intuition would say. It just makes sure that you're on the right path. So if you don't have a commentary, get it. And
1: it's also very important that you get a commentary on a theologian or someone who has studied the Bible that you trust because not all commentaries are the same and not not all are trustworthy.
0: Not all commentaries are created equal.
1: Right. But, and then also what we're saying too is commentaries are comments on Scripture made by man. So you have to take that into account. And we have here, I have a commentary book that it has a King James version, and it has three different theologians who are commenting on scripture, and they're all side by side. So you get to kind of look at all of them. And there's some that I'm like, "Mm, I don't don't know. And then sometimes I read something and I kind of question if I understand it correctly. And then I can go to a commentary to see, like, if someone else had the same thought, like, if we're, you know, matching in, like, the same thought process or – I don't know. Yeah. But it's good to have – like, we have several. We don't just have, like, one that we just yep. go to.
0: Yep. We've got
1: – They're just helpful tools. We'll say it's a tool.
0: It's, that's it.
1: It's not like we – This is scripture in itself. It is not
0: scripture in itself. (laughs) It is a tool to help understand scripture in a deeper way. That's it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like right now in homeschool, my kids were going through a unit on weather. And I go to the public library here all the time. And I never just get one book on whatever we're taught, whatever we're learning about. I get several mm-hmm. because it's, you know, some books don't have certain information and other ones do or different types of stories get some informational, some, you know, fun story that involves weather, you know, different things like that. So it's just like anything else that you would want to learn about. You don't just get one thing and like, oh, this is it.
0: Yeah. So if you don't have a commentary, make sure that you get one we'll try to post some on the website under our resources page. I think, I think there are I, some there, right?
1: Yeah, I think that I already have some. So, on our website, we have a resources page that has several different topics and underneath each topic are some resources that we have read ourselves that we really like. And so one of them is like Bible study, I think it's what it's called, but if you just go to slash resources you can see them all there. And they're Amazon links. But if you use our Amazon link, you can support the podcast a little bit in that way. Yeah. But yes, the commentaries and study Bibles that we use and that we really like are there. So if you would want to grab one, you can use our links.
0: All right. Now back to the normal programming. (laughs) Go ahead and read chapter 2, verses 23 through 25
1: for us. Okay. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man.
0: Thank you for reading that. So, You're welcome. My question to you is... (laughs) As you were kind of reading that and you were asking or thinking to yourself, man, this is really confusing. What are some of the thoughts that kind of came to your mind as you were getting into that scripture for the first time? Not what you know now, but what you knew then.
1: Well, okay, hold on. Um, so just the one question I had is mainly on verse 24. It's just saying, like, he did not entrust himself to them. So I didn't know if that meant he did not tell them that he was the son of God and, like, he didn't tell them his deity. Because there are some parts in the Gospels where there are times where Jesus says he does a miracle or something, and he's like, don't tell anyone, Mm -hmm. like, about what you saw. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if it was a moment where he was, like, just not ready for them to know who he was or what. And then another thing that I thought of too was in the beginning of this, it says like the signs, plural. And mostly what we have read so far in John of miracles that Jesus has done is mostly turning the water into wine at the wedding. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, does that must hint at there were other signs Jesus has done besides that, but we just don't have them in the book of John, maybe Mm. to read. And so that was like my main thing is, does he not want them to know yet? Like, but then as you keep on reading, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And that was just kind of, the last part is kind of like a gut punch. If you're a man, because you can, I can get what he's saying in that part. Very clearly, it's like, He knows that man is sinful and and Mm deceitful and wicked. Like he knows what's in man, but he didn't want anyone to bear witness about man. So that was kind of the confusing part, too, to me. Anyway, that were kind of my thoughts scattered all over the place like spaghetti, but. I love it. It's fine.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's kind of dissect those now that we've done some research. We have commentaries. So I like the the thing that you said. Like, and prayed. And prayed, yes. Thought Hallelujah. <laughs> One of the things that you said was, hey, does this mean that there were other signs? And the answer to that, I think, is yes. If you look forward in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 30, and then I believe chapter 31, verses 21 and 25, John talks about, hey, there are more miracles. There's no way that I could mm. have recorded everything that Jesus did or it, it would take up everything. So that's important that the miracles that really, I mean, it's. I, would, I don't think you could say it's specifically important, but it's just, it's a part of God's grand design that the miracles that we know are specific for a specific purpose the miracles that he had john record through the holy spirit are specific for us to look at dissect understand now so going back to the question yes there were more miracles and then and then specifically that didn't entrust himself to them we had to look at a couple different commentaries for that to get specific handlebars because uh, John Wesley wasn't super specific about what does it mean that he didn't entrust himself to them. It was just general like, hey, Jesus knows the deceitfulness of man. Uh, Matthew Henry, his commentary was, was more of a, hey, Jesus kind of knows who's genuine and who's not. He knows it's in the heart of man. But we didn't get any real handlebars on this section until we started looking at Thomas Wycliffe and his commentary on the Gospel of John. And what he kind of digs into in this section is something that's called miracle faith. And if I remember correctly, this is also talked about or referenced or pointed at in chapter 8 of the Gospel of John between verses 30 and 59, and then also in chapter 12 verses 42 and 43. And what it does is it talks about and points at the idea that there is Genuine believing faith in Jesus. There's actual resurrection faith. People believe Jesus is who he says he is. And then there's also this miracle faith that people believe in Jesus or believe Jesus because he does cool things. And that's what this section is really talking about. These people did not look at Jesus for who he was. He didn't look at him. The people did not look at Jesus as the deity. They looked at him as a man who just did really cool things, and they believed in his name that he was a great teacher sent from God who did really cool things. But what they didn't believe is that he was the Messiah. It's the, it's the idea that why do you follow Jesus? Do you follow Jesus because he's going to do cool things for you? Because you're going to get a Bentley or a boat or... Maybe you'll ask your whole congregation to buy you a spaceship so you can go evangelize (laughs) the aliens. That's genuinely not why we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus because we have genuine faith in the reality that he is the redeemer of God's chosen people, of the elect, of the saints.
1: Or one that I think is probably super, super common is do you believe in the name of Jesus just because that is like your family's duty? Mm. Or because that's just what your your parents told you and it hasn't become real to you? Mm. Like I pray every day over my kids that they will personally see Jesus for who he is, that he will reveal himself to them and that they will personally just love him. Mm. Not that they can spit back, you know, all the things that God does and all this theological stuff that we have. We have conversations with our kids, nothing is mandatory for them. We don't make them sit down and like, Here, listen to us talk about the Bible for an hour or nothing like that's silly. But we have a son who loves to learn and he loves to ask questions, Mm -hmm. and we will have as long of a conversation as he wants to. I mean, he's four, almost five. So it's not this super long conversation, but he'll ask questions because he's starting to get to that age where he's starting to kind of wonder about things and ask about things and, and we'll talk with him. But my prayer is that one day that it's not just some like, oh, because my parents said it, I have to believe it too. And it's not real. And then there's this issue, a huge percentage I forgot, but I read a book about it. This huge, huge, huge percentage of kids when they leave the home and either go to college, trade school, or living on their own, whatever it is, they do not return to church. Mm. And I 100% wholeheartedly believe that it's really because parents have made it a religious duty and make their kids go to church. And outside of church, nothing's talked about,
0: mm.
1: nothing shown, nothing shared about the relationship with Jesus. It's not talked about enough of, yes, we are promised trials and hard times. Like it's not just this, when you follow Jesus, just all the blessings, the blessings, the blessings, and all this great stuff is going to happen for you. That's not it. We're not, we are literally guaranteed trials mm-hmm. and hard times. And as a, if you are a parent, let your kids see your relationship with Jesus for what it is, your love for him. How do you respond? What's your faith when the hard times come? And so anyway, I kind of go
0: off on a tangent, but. No, 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 I think it's very primary to what we're talking about, because yes, in this moment, There is this miracle-driven belief to where they believe in the miracles because the miracles are cool and they catch their attention. We don't see, even though miracles still happen, that's not the central focus of the belief that we struggle with. What we struggle with in our culture is people think, parents specifically think that if we indoctrinate our kids to our belief system, they will have it as themselves and even our very reformed brothers and sisters will say, you got to catechize your, your kids. You have to catechize your children, and then they'll remain in the faith. But the truth is like, yes, it's good to catechize your kids. It's good to share with them the truth, fundamental questions. We do that with our kids. But just catechizing your kids is not enough. Teaching them as you their teacher When it comes to biblical things, treating it like a classroom is not enough. What we see is the gospel took root as relationships happened through the life of Jesus. And I love this because I forget this so much in my personal life, is that Jesus was known as a man who came eating and drinking. Now, that doesn't mean that he was a drunkard or a glutton. That doesn't mean any of those things. But in that time, those were relational things that you did with people. The whole context of community was revolved around food and drink. So it's important for us to realize that if Christ came to be relational and to share the gospel, his gospel, through relationships, then we've got to do the same thing with our kids. Just because we biologically procreated to have them does not mean that we have to forsake the relational aspect of sharing the gospel with them for teaching them rules and principles and catechizing them. It's a both. Mm -hmm. I think of it this way. We're going through 40 days right now. We're driving in the car yesterday. We were listening to day 19 as a family, and it's talking about reconciliation. And out of nowhere,
1: we hear a little voice go, (laughs) what's reconciliation?
0: Just plain as day, said it. All kinds of crazy, but ask the question two times. Hey, what's reconciliation? What's reconciliation? And it was a moment where we got to share about, hey, reconciliation means to like be made right. The the relationship is good. Do you remember times when you disobey mommy? Or do you remember times when daddy gets upset at you over something real small and you get in trouble? Or mommy gets upset? I said those times, they break our relationship, but reconciliation is when we come back together and we make it good again, and it's made good. Now, I was talking about earthly relationships. I didn't get into the reconciliation of the cross because he's, he's not going to understand that. Does my son know who Jesus is? Yes. Does he understand from a... Now, when I say understand, I'm talking about a, a cognitive Functioning, analytical, not from the knowledge of the heart, from I I don't believe my son is saved, (laughs) he's four, (laughs) but he has a working definition of who Jesus is, and he has a working definition of what it means for Jesus to come and die for our sins. So now he has a working definition of what reconciliation is, and then one day, as conversations happen, those working definitions become practically applied in his own life
1: or it's like times where you know the almost feels like this blindfold comes off of you and you can think back to previous conversations you've had maybe years ago or something you're like ah this makes complete sense now Mm -hmm. not just in my head knowledge but you know it's kind of dropped from my head to my heart Mm -hmm. I understand that now yeah and I loved um In the book that I had, so this is Matthew Henry um, commenting on these verses 23 through 25, and I'm just going to read some of it to you. It's kind of gut-wrenching, but it's good. Like, it's good conviction. Our Lord knew all men, their nature, dispositions, affections, designs, so as we do not know any man, not even ourselves. Mm. Like, we don't even know ourselves fully. Yeah. He knows, this is Jesus knows, his crafty enemies and all their secret projects, his false friends, and their true characters. He knows who are truly his, knows their uprightness, and knows their weaknesses. We know what is done by men. Christ knows what is in them. He tries the heart. And Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: because he is he is God. Like Jesus is the son of God. He is who he says he is. And like we said earlier, these people were just like, oh, he's a great teacher and he's doing all these really cool things. I wanna I wanna follow him and keep up with him. Think about it in our day. A lot of you probably maybe if you're into social media and you're younger, there are people that you wanna follow. Because they say cool things, they do cool things, they wear cool things, they cook cool things, whatever your interest. You see them do these things, you want to follow them. Do you really know who they are? No. Mm -hmm. You don't. You're following them because they're doing something cool. And Jesus knew that they were not believing in his name due to who he really, really was. So he didn't entrust himself to them. Because he knew that they were just in it for the cool, the cool looks. Yeah, like everyone wants to be friends with the
0: cool guy. Yeah, no, and it's also very important because as we talk about Jesus being one hundred percent God and one hundred percent man, there are some instances within Scripture where the like. The omniscient deity foreknowledge of God uh, that Jesus had had to be given up for him to be man. Right here, we see that some of that omniscience, that deity knowledge being used to know what is inside these people, which is very important because that affirms, number one, there is no human. I don't care if you go to Casadega or not.
1: Don't know what Casadega is because you do not live near here. It is a city that's near us here in Florida that is known for like
0: it's the witchcraft.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a city of the occult, and they have a lot. I mean, store by store by store of like come get your readings done and come get your potions and whatever. Anyway, it's just a town. Say that. that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> There's not even anybody in Casadega that can tell you what is inside you. Only one can judge what is in the heart and the heart itself. And that's God. So for Jesus to exercise this knowledge of knowing what is in man points back to his deity nature. And also, I think I forget this a whole lot, but the humanity of Christ as well. So when he says he... what What is the phrasing there? Like he didn't Show himself to them. What
1: He didn't entrust himself to them.
0: He didn't entrust he himself to them. Because he
1: knew what was them. in man.
0: So, big picture, there are people who follow the hype, but they don't follow Jesus. And Jesus wants people who to follow him.
1: And that's a scary thing. There is such a thing as Christian culture mm-hmm. that attracts some people. Mm-hmm. And so, even in... The rest of Matthew Henry's commentary, he says, beware of a dead faith Mm. or a formal profession. Mm. Empty professors are not to be trusted. And however, men impose on others or themselves, they cannot impose on the heart-searching God. So you can impose yourself and look a certain way that you want to look to other people, But you can't do that Mm -hmm. on God or Jesus. He sees your heart for what it is. Mm -hmm. You cannot hide. He's your creator. (laughs) He sees everything. And so I think it's good to end here with this question. What is your faith? Mm -hmm. And if you're questioning that, and that's not bad at all. Like, there's been times I've questioned, like, Question myself, and I'm sure Austin has too. Mm -hmm. But if you're sitting there going, okay, Sydney, I don't know. I feel like I have the faith just of my parents, or I just want to follow this hype of this Christian culture and I want to feel good. And, you know, I would just ask you to pray. God says that we don't have because we don't ask. And sometimes it's, we think, we need to overcomplicate things and make things really hard, but we don't. Mm. You pray. I don't care where you are right now. If you're at work with your AirPods in or if you're in the car or if you're in the kitchen right now, you're cleaning, you're cooking. I don't know what you're doing, but you can stop right now what you're doing and you can pray and ask God to search your heart. Ask God to reveal to you what is really there. Mm. He will. I promise you, he will because he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants you to come to him.
0: Yeah, Jesus did not die for us to be fanboys of his movement. T shirt sure ID. He died so that we could be disciples.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's pretty heavy. We'll end it here.
1: Yeah, we'll end it. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us. We hope to see you back here next time for part five in our Jesus series. Bye. Bye.